0: Well, good morning. Now keep your finger in two Timothy 3. We're going to come to it in a minute and uh, be helpful for you, as always, to have a Bible open. Let's pray, shall we, as we reflect upon God's Word. Heavenly Father, we ask now as we stop to consider this fresh start for ourselves and for our church, As we ponder what it means to have our minds shaped by you make us disciplined make us hard workers but above all give us the heart that loves your word and delights in thinking your thoughts after you and we ask that in jesus name amen well a fresh start as i was pondering this sermon and how to start it, the other two staff members said, well, you've got to pick a fresh start, right? What sort of fresh start could you talk about? Over the last few weeks, we've talked about the bear coming out of hibernation and what that means. We've talked about moving house. Last week, we heard about the Great wheelchair Reset that happens every now and then, the fresh start in the morning. Our family's going through its own sort of fresh start at the moment, Uh, the introduction of two new people into your family tends to cause that. The babies have come. And with them has come a fresh start. In all sorts of ways. It it required a physical fresh start. We'd kind of left behind the baby stage. And so you need to get the furniture and the clothes and the toys and all the bits. It just goes on and on. I think the smallest people in our house have the most stuff now. It doesn't end. But it's not just physical, is it? There's a change in expectations What can we achieve? Well, what we were expecting to be able to achieve in the next year or two has to change. There's little people to look after. They demand time and energy and attention. A fresh start is required in terms of, well, some of the things that you can do. You have to let go of old things, even good things. I I can't do them, I just don't have time, don't have energy. Requires a fresh start in our desire to be disciplined, and structure, to push through pain and tiredness. It's hard work, but it's good. A fresh start for ourselves and for our church. Right the last three weeks, worship, prayer and evangelism. If you missed any of those three, well worth going back and revisiting. And today, a fresh start in learning. Now, here's what I want to talk about this morning. Firstly, I want to talk about why learning matters. We had five, we're doing five weeks of a fresh start. Why pick one week where we're going to talk about learning? I mean, does it really matter all that much? And just a little spoiler alert, yes, it does. And then I want to talk about two ways that God... (laughs) It may be kind of obvious, that's why we're doing it. And then two ways in which God gives us to be learning. So let's talk first of all about why it is that learning matters. Here's the first idea I want to share with you. Christians are engaged in a war. And the battleground for that war is your mind. I don't know that we often realise it. The war we are engaged in is a war for our mind, for how we think. On one side, there's what the old catechisms would have called the world, the flesh and the devil. On the one side, you've got the forces arrayed against God. The world in its opposition to God. Our own sinfulness in its desire to rebel against God. And Satan, who is anti-God in every way. That's one side. On the other side in this battle is God and His Holy Spirit. And there is a war waging for us. Come to Romans 12. Keep your finger in 2 Timothy 3. We're going to go there in a second. But come to Romans 12. I think this verse is key. It's very helpful to understand. It's not the only one. I'll show you a few others. But this one puts it very simply for us. You might remember chapter 12 and verse 1 from our first week on worship. Romans 12. You just go in a couple of books further towards the Old Testament from 2 Timothy. Romans 12 verse 1, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true worship. Right, that was week one of this series. You want to worship God, then everything you are has to be for Him. How are we going to do that? Verse 2, do not be conformed to this age, here's the battle, don't be like the world in opposition to God, But, what's the alternative? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing and the perfect will of God. Don't be like the world, don't be conformed to the age, don't live like those who are opposed to God and what's the alternative? Get your thinking right. Get your mind thinking like God. Have your mind transformed so that you can know His ways. You could go read Ephesians chapter 4 right put off the old self and put on the new by the renewal of your mind we could go read Colossians chapter 3 set your minds on the things of heaven not on the things of earth 2 Corinthians chapter 10 right we fight the fight of the Christian life with ideas with the truth we demolish arguments I think this is why learning matters so much, because if your mind is transformed to think God's thoughts after him, if your mind is right, then the rest will come. If your mind is right, you will worship rightly. Your prayer will be good. You will be fervent in evangelism. In other words, you will live Jesus' lives. It's a bit of an insidious war, though. I mean, did you walk in this morning thinking to yourself, there's a battle going on for my mind? But there are forces arrayed against me, wanting to stop me thinking God's ways. Is that what you want? I I bet you did Hands up if you did. I'll give you ten bucks. We don't don't think that, right? It's because when you're in a culture, it's so hard to see that culture. When, When you live somewhere, you don't notice the good and the bad. It just is. It's often why people will talk about travel as broadening your mind, expanding your horizons. You go and visit another culture and you see different ways of doing things, different ways of thinking, different ways of relating, and you come back into your own culture and all of a sudden you have to question, hang on, why do we do it that way? Should we do it that way? Our culture often has bits that are, that, that are amoral. They're neither good nor bad, they're just are ways of doing things, right? Australians consider a barbecue that you get some low-quality sausages, overcook them on a gas hob, and then whack it on a piece of bread and put sauce on it, and that's a barbecue, right? Like, to, that, that's neither good nor bad. Well, sorry, maybe it is good or bad. It's neither right nor wrong, let's put it that way. You go to another culture where a barbecue takes hours and hours and good meats and good time and relationship, and, and you go, wow, there's something... That's not really right or wrong, is it? But there are things that are. You come into our culture, for example, with its obsession about sexual self-gratification and sexual self-identification, and you think, is that how it's meant to be? The world, in its culture, is anti-God and His. The world says it's all about me. God says it's all about you. Our world says it's all about getting and gaining. It's about amassing more and bigger and retire early, live happy, fulfill your dreams, pursue your hobbies. It's about you, get what you need. God says it's about giving and sacrifice. The world says, well, as long as it doesn't harm anybody else, you can do whatever you want. God says, be holy for I am holy. The world says you can define yourself however you want to, whenever you want to, you can be you. And God says be who I tell you you are. Our world says this is a dangerous place. You should be afraid. I mean, you just look at the news the last week, right? And the news the week before that. And the news the week before that. In fact, just go and look any news from any week you want in the history of the world and I can pretty much guarantee you that there's going to be something in there designed to cause you fear. God says, trust me and live at peace. Our world says, don't worship God. Whatever you do, you can do whatever you want, but the one thing you mustn't do is worship that God. And God says, worship me and me alone. Do not be conformed to this age. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Learn to think God's ways. Learn to think God's thoughts after him. Now look, th- that verse is bigger than what we're going to talk about today. Right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind is more than just learning. It starts with learning, which is why we're going to start there. But it's more than learning. You, you've got to turn knowledge into wisdom. You might know the facts, but you don't have to live them out as well. However... It starts with the renewing of your mind. It starts with learning. It starts with our minds being transformed to think God's thoughts after Him. To think God's way. If I can put it slightly differently, what we need to learn to do is to visit God's kingdom so frequently that we have culture shock when we come back. That the culture of God's kingdom is what shapes us so that when we come back into our own, we look at our world at our age and we question it. Should I do that? Why would I do that? I have my mind transformed by God. How are we going to do that? Well, two tools that God gives us. Don't be conformed to this age, he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the first thing I want to talk about is us and God's word. Us and God's word. Come back over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Don't be conformed to this age, Paul said, Listen to this description as we read the very start of chapter 3. You tell me if this doesn't sound like our age. Know this, chapter 3 and verse 1. Hard times will come in the last days. For people, you tell me if this sounds familiar, will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power. Sound familiar? I mean, Paul wrote it 2,000 years ago and yet that is a description of our world today, is it not? I mean, you want, I, I don't think you could pick a better one. Although note, actually, that he's writing, well, about people inside the church, not people outside the church. <laughs> it's worth stopping and pondering for a moment, isn't it? Is this us? Are we conformed to this age? Some of them are easy, right? We can say, oh, I'm not a traitor. I don't hold to forms of godliness, but they not. Some are easy, but then there's others. Demeaning. Putting people down? Is that us? Ungrateful? Reckless? Look at verse 7. These people are always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. So it is possible to learn wrongly. It is possible to have your mind shaped by the wrong things. So that you are in the end driven away from God rather than towards him. Now what we need is God's word. Come down and look at verse 14. As for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you. You know from infancy. You have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, that so the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Our learning must begin with, it must come from the Word of God. The Scriptures, sufficient both to save and to teach us how to live. It's pretty good, isn't it? It's an all-in-one package. If you're not a Christian, then what you need the Scriptures. What you need is the Word of God. Now, if you're a Christian though, on the other hand, what you need is the Scriptures, (laughs) the Word of God. The same thing. It saves and it teaches. And you notice a few things about that, verse 16 and 17 in particular. All Scripture is inspired by God. Don't People who tell you the Old Testament, we don't listen to that, or Paul's writings, let's not go there, or any bits that we don't like is basically what they say. No, all Scripture was inspired by God. It's inspired by God. There's a big move these days to try and explain bits away, right? If, If it's a little bit inconvenient, how could that prophet have possibly known that these things would happen? No, maybe that was written later, it wasn't actually God who wrote it, and it The miracles, maybe they're just stories, we're not really supposed to believe that they're miracles and people try and explain it away in all kinds of ways. No, it's inspired by God. It's profitable. There's gain in it. Time in the Scriptures is never wasted and it's profitable to make us complete, equipped for every good work. Peter puts it, God has given us all that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Christ. We have all that we need. So, let's let's come back to week one. Let's come back to being a worshipper in spirit and truth. Do you want to live Christian lives that honour God? I take it you do. I mean, if if you don't, let's have a chat, especially if you call yourself a Christian but you don't want to live a life that honours God. Then what you need is to have your mind transformed. That's how you will not be conformed to this age. And where do we find what we need? We find it in the Bible. Read it. Understand it. Take it on board. It's funny, I went looking. I couldn't find one. Maybe someone can tell me later. I went looking for a verse in the Bible that says, read your Bible. I couldn't find one. Isn't that funny? How often has the preacher gotten up and said, the application for this week is go and read your Bible. And that's going to be application for this week, by the way, just in case you're (laughs) curious. But I went looking for a verse. I thought, does it say it? There's no command to read the Bible. How strange. There's plenty of commands to dwell in the Bible. To meditate on the words of God. To take them in, to imbibe them. There's plenty of commands to share them. There's even commands to wear them. Literally, put them on your body and carry them around with you. I take it that the Bible writers, they don't think they need to tell us to read the Bible. It's like Psalm 119 or Psalm 19. You can go read either of those and get a sense of how much the psalmist loves the Word of God. It's almost unnecessary to tell you to read it. Why on earth would you not read it? It's the Word of Life. It's balm to the soul. It's wisdom for your feet. It's light for your path. What do you mean I need to tell you to read the Bible? Doesn't your heart soar at the thought of being able to sit at the feet of the God Almighty and listen to Him? Because He doesn't need to tell us. Now look, our world, our world is fond of saying that you can find the truth in lots of different places. As we reflect upon God and his word for a moment that you can go and look in different religions that you can go and think through different philosophies and that you can find good everywhere now if the Bible is truly enough for us if the Bible is sufficient if God here has revealed to us all that we need for life and godliness then at best it's unnecessary to go looking in other places, isn't it? I, I, one of my previous jobs, um, it was a very tough job, I was a, a student minister, sorry, an, an apprentice to the guy who was the rector at Bondi. He was the minister of Bondi. And so part of our work involved going surfing. It was a tough gig, uh, but anyway, what can you do? And we were out there one morning, you know, you've got to get out early. And uh, Bondi's full of backpackers, and this French guy out the back. As you do, you're sitting out there waiting for a wave. We got chatting. You know, this is the work bit. This is the ministry bit. And uh, and, and we're chatting to this guy. He's like, oh, who are you guys? Oh, well, we're, we're you know pastors at the church. Ah, oh, very interesting. How'd you become a pastor? Well, you know, we went to Moore College and studied for four years. And this, like, oh wow, four years. And so, what do you what do you learn at Moore College? Do you learn all the religions of the world? Do you do you know you do some study some comparative? You learn some Islam and some Buddhism and. You know, you study... And he said, no, we just study the Bible. He said, oh. But why don't you study all? And, and, you know, you you get the... Because if you already have the truth, then why do you need everything else? I mean, it's just one thing, if you want to work out, is this true or not, okay, whatever. But if you you have the truth, it's unnecessary to have the other thing. In fact, it might even be fatal for you to go looking somewhere else i'll tell you it's not just the world christians we have the version of this as well by the way where we don't trust that this is enough i have to go and find something else i had some friends who very sadly couldn't make this big decisions in life without going to consult a prophet anytime they had a big decision they had to make like oh well we'll just go and talk to so-and-so about it they're a prophet They'll, they'll they'll help us they'll give us a word from god That one's a bit far out. I mean, not many of us have that. The more common one among our circles is I'm I'm waiting on a word from God. I'm just waiting to hear from him, for him him to talk to me, to feel settled or, or however it might go. Look, at best, that is unnecessary. What we need is to have our minds transformed so that we might discern the will of God. What do you need to discern the will of God? You don't need a prophet. You don't need a special revelation. You need your mind to be shaped by God's word. And I'll tell you what, at best it's unnecessary, at worst it's also fatal. If you're busy waiting for an angel to bring you a word from God, then when that angel appears, you're predisposed to believing them. Even if that angel brings a different gospel, which Paul will say in Galatians 1 tell that angel to get lost. How is it that we're going to learn? What we need is God's Word. This really is the quintessential go-and-read-your-Bible sermon. Be shaped by what you... Have your mind that when you look at the world, you, you see it through Christian ease, through God's kingdom's culture, so that you question, dwell on the Word, ponder the Word, ruminate. There, I even say memorise it? Psalm 119, verse 11 was the very first memory verse I ever learned. I learned it in Spanish, so I've had to sort of translate it in my head. I'll tell you in Spanish if you want. In my heart I have treasured your words so as to not sin against you. I, I, I feel like we've lost it a bit. We st- our kids, we still get them to do memory verses, but we don't. What we ought to do is get Kids Church to tell us what memory verse they're learning and we learn it better than the kids do. There's a challenge we ought to take on board. Us and God's Word. But you know what? God is kind. He does not just leave us alone and say, here's a book, go and read it. He also gives us His people. He's the second way that we learn, us and God's people. The Bible is full of it, full of passages that tell us to teach and to be taught. In fact, it's right there in 2 Timothy 3 again, right, just look it back up at verse 10, you have followed my teaching. My conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings. Down at verse 14. As for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you. You know that from infancy you have known the sacred, right? His mum and his grandmother, in the case of Timothy. The Bible's full of these instructions. to Teach and be taught. And it's not just to, to, to sort of leaders, right? To special people. There are some set aside to teach the body, But there's also plenty of instructions to most people you go read titus chapter 2 older women what are they supposed to do teach younger women no there's no there's nothing special there you're just an older woman who's a christian well go and find a younger woman and help her think god's thoughts after him in other words what we should be is disciples who make disciples that sound familiar you ought to be a learner who is also a teacher you ought to be learning from somebody and teaching somebody so perhaps there's a question worth pondering Who teaches you? And can I point out Paul's example? He isn't just saying, you have followed my teaching, but you have followed my conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance. You know me. There's such a danger in going and finding a random teacher out there somewhere, in a book or a podcast or the internet, that we have zero connection to them, but we're like, oh, they teach really well. I'm going to go listen to them. Well, you don't know their life. That's going to teach you as much as their words. Who's teaching you? And who are you teaching? Doesn't have to be formal, doesn't have to be impressive. Let's go grab a coffee, read the Bible, talk about life, pray. We need each other. I think a solo Christian is going to end up being a stunted Christian. Isn't it interesting? Verse 16 there, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for. What's it profitable for? Teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness all things that you can do for others (laughs) i mean the word will do it to you but actually teaching well it's profitable i can use the word to teach you you can use the word to teach each other it's useful for rebuking well that's something we do to one another for training we do it together for the word of god ought to shape it scripture is good for one person to train another so, I wonder, do you speak scripture into the lives of others? I, I think it's, I don't know if it's our church tradition or just our kind of culture. I, I don't often hear it. I don't often hear in the conversations that we have with one another. I, I, I regularly see people stop and pray together, and that is absolutely brilliant. We depend on God in our relationships. But how often do we speak the word of God to each other? And I wonder if that's not connected to our lack of memorizing it, it just doesn't come to mind. You know, we're in a situation, we're talking with somebody, they need some counsel. Psalm 119, 11, I don't know, like what, what verse can we bring to bear? How do we bring the scriptures to bear into that moment? Well, it's time for a fresh start, isn't it? Personally and as a church. How's your Bible reading going? I mean, if I don't ask that question today, what sermon are we ever going to ask it in? Is it time for a fresh start? To read, to dwell, to memorise? I had a friend who decided he was going to memorise the book of Romans. I should ask him, it was about six years ago, so he's probably got just about enough time to do it by now. Maybe, I, I don't know how far he got. I've got some resources. Look, this, this, is, this is just our thing, right? The Daily Reading Bible. If you need help, you don't even know where to start, Come and grab one of these. You can have them for free. Matthias Media sells them for two bucks or three bucks or something. Oh, I've got a bunch of them. Um, they're, they're, they're a 10-minute daily thing. They've got everything you need in here. The Bible passages in there. Some questions to prompt some thinking and something to pray about. Dead simple. The only rule if you're going to take these is you have to give it back to me. Complete it. Right, that's, that's the only rule. It can take you some time. I don't mind, but do it, complete it, and then give it back to me. I had to stop and wonder, why don't we have that heart? If the psalmist, if the, the, the proverbs, if, if they, they can't wait to sit at the foot of the Father and hear him speak, what's the problem for us? What's the problem for me, to be honest, because I, I rarely feel that way? What do we do if that's me? What, what, what if I don't feel like it? Here's the question of our age. I think the answer ought to be, don't wait until you feel like it start until you feel like it start reading you're not going to feel like loving god's word if you're not in god's word be disciplined allow discipline to begin so that your mind will be transformed and as your mind is transformed i take it your heart will follow and you will learn to love the word that's a fresh start for us as a church right We, we are committed to the word of truth we preach Mostly through books of the Bible. In a couple of weeks' time, we're going to start on the book of Jonah. We're committed to standing firm for the truth in the face of our age. There are so many pressures, so many pressures on us to give way. To just bend a little bit. To not stand quite so firm on this thing. Surely that bit doesn't matter quite so much. We can just give way. No, we are committed to standing in the truth, being biblically sharp. And I wonder, is a little challenge for us as a congregation. Why not make it your habit, after church each week, before you get to other conversations, to share something from God's Word with someone? Now, that's an easy one, because all you have to do is pay attention in the sermon. (laughs) And you should have something that you can share, maybe from your own reading, maybe from something else. Let's be a church of people Who aren't conformed to this age but who have our minds transformed such that we can discern the good pleasing will of the Lord. Let's pray shall we. Heavenly Father we thank you for your word, thank you that you speak and that as you speak in that powerful word you give us what we need. Give us the heart that these psalmists have, their delight, their desire and Father give us the discipline, the self-control that even If we don't have that heart, even if we don't feel like it in that way, we are still dependent on you to shape us and transform us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.